Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program. Glad you could join us, and if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, I'm going to continue preaching through the book of John, chapter 17. And the topic today, the title is Christ Our Intercessor. This is part two. I began part one last week talking about Christ being the intercessor who stands as the mediator between God and His people, one God, one uh, mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, the God-man. And this is one of the most precious, comforting, reassuring truths of the gospel. That Christ, who was, who was and is the surety of His people, having all their sins charged, imputed, accounted to Him. Their sin debt was charged to Him, put on His account. And then our substitute, the one who came to earth and became incarnate, took into union with his deity a perfect sinless humanity, body and soul, and walked this earth as the substitute under the law and going to the cross in the place of his people, his sheep, God's elect, those for whom he died, and satisfying the justice of God to the point of bringing forth an everlasting righteousness of infinite value to enable God to be both a just God and a Savior. And so he died, satisfying the justice of God, fulfilling all conditions of salvation, bringing forth that righteousness, and he was raised again the third day and now ascended unto the Father, ever living to make intercession for his people. And his intercession... His intercessory work includes His praying for us, for His people, His his working all things after the counsel of His own will for our good and His glory. That's how we can say in Romans 8, 28, uh, that all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to His purpose because He's working them, preserving His people, bringing all things into light, calling his, sending the Spirit forth to bring his, his elect, His chosen people, His sheep, under the gospel, the true gospel. Not a lie, not a false gospel. There's a lot of false gospels out there. But there's only one true gospel of the free, sovereign grace of God in Christ who saves His people from their sins. Not one person for whom he died and was buried and arose again, for whom he now intercedes, will perish in damnation. Not one. If you believe that any one of them can perish, you don't believe in the true Christ of the Bible. You believe in a counterfeit. Because you have to believe that salvation is conditioned on you and not on Christ alone. Listen, those who make salvation conditioned on sinners... 
Their savior is themselves. Whatever condition they meet is, makes the difference. But Christ made the difference. Well, here in John 17, he's praying for his disciples. And he says, this, look at verse, verse 13. He says, and now come I to thee, coming to the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. His joy. You know, over in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible speaks of the joy of Christ. And what it's talking about here, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have the hall of faith, which is a listing of believers in the Old Testament who went through so many trials, even suffering, some unto death, but they were kept by the power of God and by the faith that he gave them to continue looking unto Christ. And so he says, look at Hebrews chapter 12. This is verse 1. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed or surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's these Old Testament saints who went through so many trials and troubles and sufferings. Uh, as, and, and again, it wasn't because of their power and their goodness and their merit. It was because of the grace and goodness and power of God. Their lives were a testimony to the grace, the power, and the goodness of God. And God gets the glory. So he says in verse 1 of Hebrews 12, Let us lay aside every weight, every hindrance, every burden, and the sin which does so easily beset us, which is unbelief, doubts. So many times even believers get caught up in that for a while, but they won't stay there. Because God won't let them go. We get circumstances. Uh, things go wrong. Uh, we get sick. We lose things. Or whatever trial we're going through. And we, we get the why me syndrome. And I don't deserve this. Like Job. Job went through it. But God will not let us go. He'll always bring his people back to faith in Christ. And this is what he says. Let us run with patience. Endurance. The race that is set before us, the Christian race, the marathon of grace. And how do you do it? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginner, and the finisher, the completer of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He didn't love pain and and derision. He wasn't a masochist. He despised that shame. But he endured it for the joy that was set before him and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now why is he set down at the right hand of the throne of God? Because he finished the work and he now lives to make intercession for us. To intercede for his people. But what was that joy that was set before him? Well, the joy that was set before him, number one, was the glory of the Father. Number two, it was his own exaltation. Having endured the cross and all the pain and suffering, he was raised from the dead and ascended unto the Father. And the joy was the salvation of his people. The Bible says, He shall see of the travail of his soul, and be satisfied. 
Not one person for whom he died and was buried and arose again could perish. All of his sheep for whom he died, all whom the Father gave to him for whom he died, shall be saved. And that's his intercessory work. Well, that's the joy. So back here in, in John 17, so he says, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now, what is that? That's salvation. In other words, all for whom he died will have that joy in themselves because they're going to be brought to faith in Christ and repentance of dead works, and they're going to be preserved unto glory. What a joy. Think about it. There's joy and peace in believing. Believing what? Believing that Christ is all my salvation. That because He lives, I will live forever. That I stand before God, dressed not in my own works, which would be filthy rags, but dressed in His righteousness alone. That's the joy. And he says in verse 14, now this is John 17, verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Now who's the world that he's talking about there that hates them? They are those who are in unbelief, who are so attached to this world and their works, who are so proud of what they think they've done for God who are trying to establish a righteousness of their own, who hate the people of God, who tell the truth, that all your righteousnesses aimed at your salvation, aimed at justifying you, aimed at gaining your rewards, is nothing but filthy rags, nothing but evil deeds. We read about that over in John chapter 3, the, the light that's come into the world. And men love darkness and hate the light because their deeds are evil. The deeds that they're so proud of, that which they highly esteem, Luke 16, 15, that which men highly esteem is an abomination to God. The best works of the best people on earth aimed at saving them and keeping them saved, aimed at making them righteous, is filthy rags, evil deeds, dead works, and works unto death in the sight of God. And that's why the world hates the people of God. He says in verse 14, I've given them thy word. See, that word is the light, the gospel, that shows sinners that the only way of salvation is the work of Christ, not the works of men. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that's not of yourselves. If you think salvation is conditioned on the decision you make, you've got to understand something. Even faith to believe is not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. A sinner saved by grace, according to Ephesians 2 and verse 10, is one who is his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, not because of, but unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So if we do any good works, it's the foreordination of God. 
And it's the fruit and effect of his grace, not the cause or the ground of it. And so I've given them the word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You remember back over in John 15, verse 18, he said, Marvel not if the world hates you. It hated me before it hated you. Now he's talking about those who are in unbelief, and, and I, I want you to recognize now, now even God's, even his sheep begin life in unbelief. I wasn't always a believer. I was a God hater for a big part of my youth because I didn't know the gospel. I claimed to be a Christian even, but I didn't know the God of the Bible. I had a God of my imagination and I didn't know the true Christ. I had a counterfeit. And so I went, but, but at some point in time, just like he's saying in this prayer, he's going to reveal himself to his people, to his, his sheep. But those who continue in unbelief and die in that state, he says right here, he says, that's the world that hates the people of God. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, you say, well, which, what am I? Am I one of his elect or am I one of his sheep? Well, let me ask you this. Are you interested in finding out the truth? Not just what you think you know. Not what you grew up hearing. Now, you may have grown up hearing the truth. I hope you have. But most people don't. Are you willing to have your understanding of these things challenged by the word of God? Are you really seeking the truth? Will you lay it on the line thinking that, you know, I want to test these things. Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith, the truth, lest you be reprobate. Do you want to go through life and be like those false preachers in Matthew 7 who found out at the end when it was too late that all that they highly esteemed and thought would recommend them unto God was nothing but works of iniquity and that he never knew you? You see what I'm saying? Are you really interested in truth? Because that's the issue. The gospel. You say, well, I'm not going to listen to you or anybody. Listen. Listen. Even if you do already know the truth, you still should be willing to test it with the word of God. Because if what you believe is truth, it'll stand the test. Believe me. Somebody said, well, I don't want preachers to rock my boat. Listen, would you rather have your boat rocked now or at the judgment? Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, this, this, is, this is what he's saying. Look at verse 15 now, John 17. He's praying for his disciples he says in verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil or from the evil one. Remember we read over in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 5 last week about the whole world lieth in the evil one. Well, you know, while we're in the world, <clears throat> even as believers, we're in a world, we're in a warfare. Uh, you know, I, I was writing a, a, a Bible study lesson on Matthew 11 the other day where Christ says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
And he makes this statement. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that yoke is being yoked with him. And he says, that's easy. He's not saying there that the Christian life is an easy life. He's not saying that it's, it's a life that always exists on the mountaintops with no valleys. In fact, he said this. He said to his disciples in John 16, the last verse of John 16, he said, in the world you'll have tribulation, trouble. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. That's the joy of it. Christ has overcome. We're in a battle. If you're a believer, you're in a battle of the three great enemies. The world, the unbelieving world, sinners who hate the gospel and hate you, hate your Lord, hate the God of the Bible. Even religious now. Remember, Christ had more trouble from the religious people of his day than he did from others. And so we're in a battle with the world. We're in a battle with the flesh. That's ourselves. That's our own sinful nature that, that is against God, that motivates us in selfishness and unbelief. And we're in a battle against the devil. But, and so it's not an easy life. It's, it's a difficult life. Especially if you stand firm for the truth without compromise. You're going to have a lot of people who come against you. But the easiness that he speaks of in the yoke there is the fact that salvation is never conditioned on sinners in any way, to any degree, to any stage. It's all conditioned on Christ. It's all free. It's all unconditional, all undeserved and unmerited. It's all wrapped up and complete and sure in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's, that's the yoke. It's the yoke of grace. The yoke of the law is a burden you can't bear. The law requires a righteousness you cannot produce, and neither can I. But the yoke of grace, the yoke of Christ, points me and leaves me to the perfection of righteousness that can only be found in Christ. And I rest in Him. He'll give me rest. All right? But now, he says again here, verse 15 of John 17, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. While they're in the world, fighting this battle, being witnesses of Christ, he intercedes for his people. Keep us from the evil one. Satan will attack. Satan, but what, what do you do? He says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Satan will charge. He'll throw his errors of accusation. But what are you to do? Believe in Christ, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It's God that justifies. Who can condemn us? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather is risen again. Is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. The f we'll struggle with the flesh. What did Paul write in, in Romans 7, 24? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Well, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Look to Christ. Rest in Christ. 
Run the race of grace. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's, that's how we're to do it. He says, in verse, he says in verse 16, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sinners saved by grace, for whom Christ died, whom He sent His Spirit to, be, to birth them again, unto faith and repentance and perseverance. Sinners saved by grace, for whom He intercedes, they're, they're citizens of a heavenly country. They're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We don't agree with it. We're not in fellowship with it. We're against it. We're in a war with it. And so he says in verse 16 or verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now the word sanctify. You hear the word sanctify, sanctification, sanctified. It's the same as the word holy, holiness, somebody who's holy. What does that mean? Does that refer to some kind of super Christian who is more dedicated and more sincere, more moral, doesn't miss a service? Is that what that refers to? Is that described by those kind of people? No. Does that describe somebody who is morally perfect? Who never sins anymore? Who doesn't sin anymore? No. Sanctified, sanctified, uh, uh, and holy, it means separated. Separated out. Cut out, you might say. And in the Bible, the word sanctification is a big term. Sanctify. It, it covers a whole span of the elements of salvation. For example, God's people were sanctified before the world began as God chose them in Christ and gave them to Christ, conditioning all of their salvation on Christ. That's, sancti that, that's eternal sanctification by the Father. And I can show you this over in 2 Timothy <clears throat> chapter 1. He speaks of that salvation. Talking about the gospel according to the power of God in verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about being elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Chosen. 2 Thessalonians 2 speaks of that in verse 13. But we are bound all to give thanks always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. That's sanctified, set apart by the Father. Now, why did God set some apart and not everybody? It had nothing to do with their works. You know, people will say sometimes when they talk about uh, the doctrine of election, <clears throat> they'll say, well, God looked down through a telescope of time and then he foresaw what you would do, whether you would believe in him or not, whether you would do good works or not. My friend, that is a lie from hell. That's salvation by works 
God is no crystal ball gazer. God is the determiner of all things. He's the God of election, the God of predestination. That's what the Bible teaches. You say, well, I can't understand all that. It's not necessary for you to understand all the ins and outs of that. It is yours to believe because God said it. So un understand that. Now, God chose a people by, in Romans 8, 9, and 10 and 11. It's called the election of grace. And he, that, that election of grace, he, says it's, he said, It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It's all of grace, undeserved, unearned. And why did God choose one over another? Christ said in Matthew 11, he said, it seemed good in God's sight. That's God's business. That's not yours. Here's what I know. The revealed things belong to me. I know God has a chosen people and Christ died for them. They're going to be in heaven. I want to be one of them. Well, look into this book and find out who they are and how they get what they get, God. It's not by their works, but it's by the free grace of God. But go back to that 2 Timothy chapter 1, talking about sanctified, set apart by the Father before the world began. God's people were set apart at the cross when Christ died for their sins. He died for his sheep. They were sanctified by his blood, sanctified in Christ. And then they are set apart by the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit comes and brings them under the gospel, gives them life, spiritual life in the new birth, and brings them to faith in Christ. And back over in 2 Timothy 1.9, he says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling. That holy calling is the invincible, uh, uh, irresistible work of the Spirit to bring God, Christ's sheep into the fold by the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Spirit. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. They're sanctified by the Spirit. And that means set apart in the gospel. You understand that. And that's what Christ is praying for as he intercedes for his people. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, it is the truth of the gospel that sets God's people apart from the world. It's not how you dress or how you look. Not even how you act sometimes. Now, we ought to act better. We, we ought to be moral and all of that. That's not the issue. We ought to be obedient people. But it's the gospel that sets us apart. I hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia, 31707. Contact us by phone at 229-432-6969 or email us through our website at 
www.thegracefulfulfillmentofgrace.com. Thank you again for listening today, and may the Lord be with you.